0: We are looking at a series, uh, we've been, been in the series for about a month, on understanding the real Jesus. We're looking at the scriptures, we're seeing what Jesus says about himself and, and how we need to see Jesus and how uh, we need to live that out in, in our lives. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a side of Jesus that, that he's trying to teach his disciples something. And in this story, I think sometimes we can get lost and the miracle of the story, and not see what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. And how many of you know we are more like the disciples many times than, than we are like Jesus many times? And sometimes the, the, the disciples were a little hard headed, a little, as we would say, being a tenant, a little stunat. Okay, a little, little stunat, okay? And so, what we're going to look at today is how do we gain the heart of Christ in the complexity of our world today? In, in the season that we're in our world today, and how polarizing it is, how tense it is, how anxious people are. Um, the more and more people I talk to, I just see so many people are just anxious, not only because of what we're going through in, in our world today, but just the burdens that so many people are carrying in their personal lives on top of what we're dealing with in our society. And let me just say, we we need the word of the Lord. We, we need Christ in our lives and to recalibrate what the purpose of our lives are as a follower of Jesus Christ. So hopefully, my prayer for you today is that through the word of God, uh, there would not only be healing in your life, but hopefully give you a fresh perspective on how to see our world. I believe that the season that we're in today is a wonderful opportunity we have as the church to live for Jesus. Even in the midst of opposition or when people don't agree with us, um, we have a wonderful opportunity before us today to live out our testimony before the world on who Jesus really is. Church, can I just be honest with you? Let's not blow this. Let's not blow it. Let, let's, not, let's not overlook how important our testimony and who Jesus is and how we show love to this world and how we walk in that truth. L- let's not waste this opportunity this season. Because I know many times when you're going through a difficult season, you just want it to be what? Over. Like, want it to be over yesterday but listen god is sovereign and he uses every season in your life for a reason and he wants to be glorified in each and every season of your life whether it's a good season right now or a very difficult season i want you to realize that god wants wants to use it for his purposes and his glory so that's my, my prayer for you today and you know it Sometimes it it, it it sometimes many things have to deal with our with our own personalities and the way we, we see things. Some of you you might be more pessimistic. How many of you would say that you're more pessimistic about things? Okay, well okay, there was like three of you that raised your hand. So let, let me rephrase that. Um, how many of you would you would call yourself more of a realist? You're a realist. Yeah, see, now all the hands go up. Okay, so I'm sorry. Okay, so I, I changed it a little bit. So, you you know, you, you're more of a realist. You take all the dreamers and you kind of bring them down to earth. Let's let's bring it down to earth. How many of you, you would say you're, you're optimistic? You're very positive. You're very Pollyanna, right? You love that movie, right? You're very, very optimistic. If you've not seen that movie, Pollyanna, it's pretty, pretty good. You're going to get a cavity after watching it, but it's good. I think you'll really like it. Some of you are very optimistic, and, and you would call yourself a, a, a dreamer. Um, it's, it's interesting. I had a, a 10th grade auto mechanics teacher, and I learned something I never learned before in 10th grade. Um, he said, as we, I remember, it was, I don't know, the first or second class, he goes, listen, um, cars are going to break down. That's a fact. You, you have to do preventative maintenance on cars. They're going to break down, and I want to teach you some basic skills on how to fix your car, so you'll have these basic skills to do that. So I absolutely learned nothing from the cloud. I don't know how to do anything on my car. No, I can change my oil, and I can, that's about it. Okay, so, but it, but it was fun. It was a fun class. So one thing I learned about this is that he taught us something called Murphy's Law. This is where I first learned about Murphy's Law, was in my 10th grade auto mechanics class. How many of you know what Murphy's Law is? How many of you know? Okay. So let me, if you don't know what Murphy's Law is, if something can go wrong, it will, right? That's, that's Murphy's Law. Now, what's so ironic about this, guess what the name of my 10th grade auto mechanic teacher's name was. Can you guess? No, it was, it was Mr. Carlson. So, just, just, so it wasn't. Just want to see if you guys were listening. So, wh- <laughs> so, so, what I did was I go, where did this Murphy's law come from? So I actually I, I looked it up, and they, and actually you can trace this back to an Air Force Captain uh, Edward Murphy. Um, I just oh there I'm back on. I just went completely blank. This Captain Edward Murphy, um, not. Eddie Murphy, but Edward Murphy, um, he was an engineer working on the Air Force project MX-981 in 1949. And so what happened was, um, how did this originate? Well, they were doing some tests to discern how much sudden deceleration a person could stand in a rocket sled test. Okay, that was the test they were doing. And what they found out that a transducer... Was wired wrong, and Murphy was so frustrated with the technician responsible, he said, If there's any way to do it wrong, he'll find it. Now, this guy was kind of a jerk. I, you know, this Murphy guy was not the nicest, he wasn't an encourager. He was pessimistic. You need to be nice to people, play nice, you know? So, this is where it originated from. Now, have you ever looked at your life and you wondered what else could go wrong? It's just like, it's just seem, maybe you're in that pattern in your life where you're like, what else can go wrong? It's just like one thing over another. Or, or how, do you, how do you fight the urge from becoming consistently pessimistic? Pessimistic. And in order to fight this pessimism in our lives, we need to have a different perspective. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at a story. And Jesus does this incredible miracle. And I, I want you to look at the difference of how Jesus saw the situation and how the disciples saw it. The situation. And so in this story, we're going to see this incredible miracle. Out of Jesus' 36 recorded miracles, uh, this one is in all four Gospels. And so the feeding of the 5,000 was an incredible, incredible event. And just because of the size of it, and many of you know about the feeding of the 5,000, but many scholars believe when you add the women and children, there could have been as many as 25,000 people that Jesus fed at this incredible, incredible miracle. So the story uh, definitely shows the pessimistic side of the disciples. And they basically were gonna look at these people and they're gonna look at the people that Jesus was about to feed as really as an interruption and not an opportunity. And what I want to do is, as incredible as this, we're going to read in just a minute in in Matthew 14, as incredible as this miracle was, I want us to look behind the scenes at what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples, because I believe we can learn something from this. I believe what Jesus was trying to show the disciples was something very valuable that can transcend into our world today and where we're living. And I want you to realize today that all around us are ministry opportunities. And what Jesus wanted the disciples to know and understand is his whole reason for coming to earth was for people, was for souls. And these people were not convenient. They didn't do everything right. They had all kinds of problems. They came with Jesus Jesus with their messiness. They needed healing. They needed to be fed. But I want you to see Jesus' reaction to these people and how the disciples reacted. And more times than not, we react like the disciples. And I want us to get a heart for the heart of Christ and the mercy and compassion he has for people. So let's read, let's read the miracle here found in Matthew 14. We're going to look at verses 13 through 21. It says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat into a remote area, and to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was, and and headed and followed on foot from many towns. And Jesus saw the huge crowd, as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. And that evening, the disciples came to him and said, "This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that we can go to the villages and buy food for themselves." But Jesus said. That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves and two fishes, they answered. Bring them here, he said. And then he, he told the people to sit down on the grass, and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They, they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets and leftovers, and about 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Amen to God's word. So I, I want us to see something here. I, I know we can get, I know you probably maybe heard a lot of messages on the feeding of the 5,000 and, and give God a little bit, and he'll multiply it, and so on and so forth. We're not going to do that today. We're going to look at something completely different. We're going to look at this interaction between Jesus and the disciples. And I want you to see a couple things at first glance. First of all, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 shows that God is not too big, that he doesn't care about our lives' small details. Jesus cares about people. God provides for us. He cares about the small stuff too. Isn't that I, You know, I was a, the children's pastor for many years. I did children and youth, kind of like Pastor Brandon. And at the beginning of the of Children's Church, I, I would always ask for prayer for the kids. And the, you, you got some of the best prayer requests from little kids. I mean, they would actually pray for their dog, and then I'd go to their parents. I'd say, how's your dog doing? I'd say, our dog died a year ago. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, they just pray, you know, it was just fun. You know, but they would pray for their boo-boo. You know, God, just help me with my boo-boo. You know, just little, and you know what? God cares about their boo-boos. He does. He does care about that. So I, I used to love to hear from the hearts from children as, as they pray. But I want you to see something here. In this miracle, we see Christ as both creator and provider. He, he takes this small loaf and two fish, and then he creates for them this bountiful meal for them to, to find uh, to, to find food for their stomachs. And then he's also their provider. And Jesus sees something that the disciples are actually Missing, So he sees the crowds, but the crowd are individual people with all kind of problems. And so before Jesus even feeds them, the passage shows us that he heals them. People come to him over and over, and so now the word is starting to spread, and he's healing them, and he's, he, he's, he's healing the sick, and he's, he, he's helping them. And the passage tells us that Jesus had compassion for them. And in fact, the word compassion means to suffer with. Jesus felt their pain and their suffering. He was with them. It it means to suffer with. And so what Jesus does is he goes to them and he meets them where they're at. So now the disciples, they don't see that. They, They see something completely different. I want you to see that Jesus wasn't far off. He came right into their world. I would have loved to have been there just to see the scene where people were bringing the sick and they were coming up to Jesus and he was laying hands on them and he was ministering to them and, and healing them, bringing comfort to them. There's a saying that says you can't see the forest for the trees. It, it, it's, it's getting so caught up in the details that we don't see the bigger issue. You see, what happens here is the disciples only wanted the people to leave. They saw the crowd of people as a problem. We can't help them. The need is too big. But here's the difference about Jesus, and here's what he wanted to teach to the disciples. Jesus saw this as an opportunity to actually help people. Jesus uses this situation to display his power and his love and his compassion and his mercy for people. The disciples saw the people as a problem. Jesus saw it as an opportunity. The disciples saw it as an interruption to their life. They wanted to get on, and Jesus saw it as an opportunity to minister to people. Now, I don't know about you. A lot of times in my life, I'm kind of like the A to B point person where you got your list and you just want to get done with your day. And man, if you get a flat tire, if something, if there's something, if there's a wrench thrown into your day, it, it kind of sets you off a little bit, right? You know, you A to B people like you got your your schedules. Um, it, it's 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 so easy for us to get so focused on our details that we can overlook the big picture, and we can all do that at times. I, 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 I crack up with, with my wife and she was grocery shopping. She is such an A to B person. When she gets in there, she just knows what she wants. And zoom, zoom, zoom. So if she's ever ignored you, it's not personal. She's just A to B person. So here's what's funny. Um, one time we were grocery shopping at Wegmans, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I see Kathleen's sister coming down the aisle. They're both passing each other down the aisle together. They never noticed each other. And I'm cracking up going... Colleen's like her. They didn't even see each other. There's such A to B people getting it done. And psycho, I go, Kathy, you just, you just walk by your, did you not see your sister? You just walked. She goes, oh, really? Where's my, oh, hey, Colleen, how you doing? So, you know, and we're, we, we all like that. When we're driving in the car, this isn't good, by the way, so don't do this, but uh, I, I like to uh, look at the scenery. Um, and I can spot a deer 300 yards in a field while I'm driving. I mean, I'm like, Kathleen, look at over there. There's about four deer right off over there in the field. And she's like, where? And she's looking. She goes, how did you see that? She goes, keep your eyes on the road, right? So I'm a little bit too scenic. Don't do that at, don't, don't do that at home, okay? That's not, that's not good. And so I'm, I'm kind of like looking at all the scenery. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't want his disciples to overlook the opportunity that was right before them. And if if we're, if we're not careful, we can overlook the ministry opportunities that are always around us. And I think we can get so overwhelmed with the season of life that we're in right now that it's so easy to fix our eyes and fixate on all the issues and all the problems, and then we can tend to forget what our purpose is as followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, listen, I know this situation is here. I'm sovereign. I knew this was going to come. How can I use the church for my glory? But church, listen, when we get fixated on things that aren't about the kingdom of God, we can easily lose our way. And Jesus doesn't want us to lose our way. Jesus wants us to to allow ourselves to be used by his compassion, to have his compassion and his love to reach out to the very world that we're in, even though we may not like it or it may... People may disagree with us or have different opinions than we might have. This did not stop Jesus from ministering to the people that were before him. Jesus saw the opportunity right there, right before him, and he wanted to invite the disciples into this ministry opportunity. And I don't want us to miss this as the body of Christ. So here's the situation. The crowds followed Jesus to a remote part of northern Israel, and they had nothing to eat. And it was late in the day, and they were just completely stranded. So this is the situation: they had nowhere to go. You know, it was it was on Sunday, so Chick Fil A was closed. There's nothing. There's just nothing for them to eat. Nothing was open. So here's the situation: nothing's open. And the disciples basically said, "Listen, we got to send them away. We we can't help them. You know, we don't have any money." There's nowhere to buy bread, we just, we, we've got to send them away. And then Jesus wanted to feed them, but the disciples had no idea how. Now, instead of seeing people as this interruption, Jesus shows us that here's the opportunity to minister right here before us. I know it seems like a, a big problem, I know it seems overwhelming, but I want you to rely on me. The disciples only see this massive need before them and the problem that people presented, and so they became the interruption to their day. In fact, verse 13 says that Jesus was in this remote place by himself and needed time to refresh. However, the crowds tracked him down. They interrupted Jesus' quiet time. And so Jesus looks at them, and the scriptures tell us that he had compassion on them. And so after Jesus heals the sick, it's now late, and they're hungry. The disciples see this. They want to send them away. And once again, Jesus sees this as an opportunity, not an interruption. Now, what's funny about this is the disciples just witnessed Jesus healing all these people. Doing this miracle right before them, bringing all this healing and now they need to be fed, and they don't know what to do. you think that right away they would say, well, Jesus, you just did this great miracle. Hey, how about you feed them? Do, do, do a miracle about feeding them. How many, of us, how many of us, when we're stressed out, we end up relying on ourselves to fix all the problems? And, and here's what I, I want you to see. When, we, when we're overwhelmed with things that are going on in our lives, I know for me... The, the, the default of my heart many times is to worry or to get anxious and not to realize that the Lord is right there. Jesus was right there before the disciples, yet they got anxious, they got worried, they looked at the problem, the problem overwhelmed them. They said, how can we do this? We can't fix it. Yet Jesus was right there before them who just did all these healings. And I'm the same way. That so many things can overwhelm me and my heart gets anxious and I would rather worry and not give that thing to the Lord. Does that mean that the Lord does not want us to be concerned about that? Absolutely not. But the thing that is, is, the Lord wants us to cast that burden at his feet because he cares for us. There's no way that we were created to bear all the burdens in our lives by ourselves. There is no way. There was someone that came in the first service that came down for prayer. This person just had so many burdens on her heart. And she just, I'm just so glad I just came today. I didn't know what else to do. And she began to share all her burdens. But she goes, I know one thing, that the Lord is with me, that Jesus is going to walk with me through this. And she had some really major burdens. And with tears in her eyes, she said, I want the Lord, I want to invite the Lord into my problems. I go, you can got to invite the Lord into this thing. You can't do it on your own. You need the Lord to minister to you. And see what the what Jesus is doing with the disciples, he's saying, Listen, invite me into this thing. I'm right here. And so they're scrambling and so they, they 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 find some, you know, they find some fish and they find some bread. Basically, when they searched the crowd, they came up with basically would be two sardines, which if you're Italian, you like sardines, right? And if you don't, you're not Italian. Okay, so I'm just saying, I love sardines. but that sounds good right now. I love sardines. So they basically, it's basically two sardines, and they come up with five loaves of bread, and the fish most likely were dried fish or pickled fish, and for some reason that sounds really good right about now. But anyway, so here they have these five loaves, two fish, we get a little more um, information From the Gospel of John, chapter 6, when Andrew receives the bread and the fish from a little boy who was willing to give his lunchable to the Lord. So they basically get this from a little boy who has his lunchables, and he goes, hey, you know, I got two fish. And meanwhile, you're looking out at this crowd of 25,000 people, and they're probably thinking, yeah, this will work, right? So they gave whatever they had to the Lord, and the Lord blessed it, right? Another sermon for another day, but the Lord blessed it, multiplied it and was able to meet the needs of all the people. But I want you to see something here. In the scripture, it shows that the disciples ate last. He had them distribute and serve the very people that they thought were an interruption. Listen, if you want to find joy in your heart, if you want to find joy in your walk with the Lord, it comes through serving. Jesus says, we are here to serve them. I know it feels like an interruption. I know, I know it feels like a burden. But this is why I came. I came not to be, be served, but to serve and give my life. Give my life as a ransom. And so what they do is, I don't know how long it took to serve but I'm sure it took a long time. And then they ate, and then they had more than enough later to eat even later if they needed to. You see, here's the heart that Jesus sees for us. I know so many times we can look at our world and people can just irritate us. Do, do, do people irritate you at times? They do. People irritate us at time, or they don't agree with us or they don't agree with our opinions and so we get in these little, right, the little bickering things that go on and it's like we lose the heart of Christ that we are here to serve. Listen, we're all irritating at time, aren't we? Myself included, Right? Stop poking your spouse. But we are. We're all, we all can be irritating at times. This is where Jesus says, listen, this is where my grace and my compassion need to fill your hearts because you will not serve others unless you have my heart, unless you have my love, unless you have my compassion for people. That's what has to drive you. This is the purpose of the church. We are here to serve because Jesus first served and loved and gave his life for us. That's our motivation. And so when we look at our world today, I know it can be disheartening. I know it can be discouraging. But look at it as an opportunity to serve people and to love them with the love of Christ that the world may look at the church and know that we are Christ's disciples by how we love one another and how we serve the world. So with the five loaves and two sardines, Jesus feeds thousands of people and the disciples serve all the people and everyone is, is, is fed. And here's what Jesus does. He says, listen, I care for them. I have compassion for them. He's not far off. He comes right into their mess to bring healing to their lives. So for the disciples, he teaches them about servanthood, our calling as people. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, how am I serving people? So listen, how many of us know we can all point out what the problems are? We can. I mean, that's easy. easy to... Here's the thing I want you to realize, and I, use, I say this to people all the time: when you see problems or if you see issues within the church, bring me two solutions. If you see an issue, bring me two solutions because we all can point out the problems, right? And here's the thing: I got to when I'm irritated with someone else, or maybe you're looking at your neighbor and you're like they don't mow their lawn enough. They're why? Blah, 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 right? Why don't you mow their lawn? Help them out, serve them, help them out. Maybe they've had a long week. Maybe they're working overtime. Maybe they can't get it, get to it, and you can say, hey, you know what? You must be working a lot. Hey, can I help you out? What can I do to serve you? What can I And just just mow it and just bless them. Bless them. Bless people, right? And see, this is the thing. Jesus didn't have like one-on-one sessions with all 25,000 people to see where their heart was before he served them. Boy, I thought that would get an amen. That's okay. That's okay. Are you hearing me? He didn't have personal interviews with everyone to see who deserved the healing and who didn't and who deserved a sardine and who didn't deserve a sardine. Right? He, didn't do, he ministered to them right where they were at. See, this is where Christ needs to grab our hearts and realize that maybe I need to allow some of my opinions to be less and my pursuit for Christ to be most and allow my heart to be consumed with who Jesus is and his compassion for the world even though I once again even though you may not like what's going on in the world that just should not stop us from serving the world and having compassion for the world and being used by Christ there's a Years ago, there was, he's, this man has since died, but there was a man who came to our church. and he, the, the story of this man is just such a, a sweet story and, uh, of how he, he came, came to the Lord. Um, this man was invited to our church by a neighbor who lived next door to him, and, and this man had just was going through a lot. he just wa- lost his wife like a year before. He lost a child, and he was really bitter with God. And so the neighbors were trying to reach out to him and invite him to our, invite him to living word. And, and at first he was real resistant. I don't believe in God. I'm bitter with God because of what happened. Come to find out when you find out the back story of him, when he was a little boy living down south, what he would do is his parents didn't go to church, but he wanted to go to church. So he would dress up. And every Sunday he'd put a tie on and he'd stand on the street corner. He'd wait for some neighbor to come by that was going to church at 11 o'clock on Sunday because that's when everybody went to church. Back in the day, and he 'd wait, and he some neighbor would pick him up, so he goes, "I grew up going to Presbyterian churches, I grew up going to Baptist churches, I grew up going to Methodist churches, whatever it is, I, I was that, and he would go, you know, but how many know that that life comes, and there's a lot of things that that just hit him hard, and he got bitter with God and he and he kind of kind of walked away. What I love about these neighbors is they risked getting to know him, even with his bitterness, to try to dig below the surface to realize there's someone that needs to know Jesus, that Christ still loves him, even with all his bitterness. Now, they could have easily marginalized him because of the way he talked, and even when they invited him to church and he said, okay, I'll finally come to church, they warned warned me. They said, Jim's coming. Jim's coming to church. I'm just warning you. I don't know what it's going to do. I don't know what he's going to say. He may get up in the middle of the service and storm. I have no idea what's going to go on. So he you goes, just, you just, just, just be ready. But we're so glad that, 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 Jim's, that Jim's coming to church because God gave them, Christ gave them a love for Jim. And they kept praying for him. So he came. And, he, and, and then he came once. He came twice. He came three times. He came again. And then one day he comes up, got to meet him. He comes up to the front after service and he goes, he goes, Pastor, I'm, uh, I'm ready. I said, well, what are you ready for? He goes, I, w- I want to I give my life to Christ. He goes, what's my next step? What do, what do I need to do? And I, so I prayed with him there and I said, you know, he goes, I'm going to go and get a Bible right away. So he went out and got a Bible. He goes, could you meet me at my house? So that week we met at his house and he had this crisp, brand new bible that's never been opened and we opened up to the book of john together and we began to study the book of john together and he looked at me and he was so thankful that those neighbors invited him into a community that loved him and that he ex- that he found the love of Christ that he was always looking for and that God brought him healing as he continued to sit under the teaching of the word, as he continued to read God's word for himself, he began to become that disciple of Jesus Christ that Jesus wanted him to be. But it all started with a neighbor who risked reaching out to him, someone who was bitter, someone who was angry with God, that they didn't give up. See, that's the heart of that Jesus wants to give for us with those that may have different opinions or whatever, that we wouldn't lose the compassion of Christ in our lives. There are opportunities in your world each and every day that God will set before you to reach out to people. And I would, I would just tell you, be bold that when you see an opportunity, that you would just tell that person, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? I see that you're going through a lot. I ran to somebody in our neighborhood that I hadn't seen in a while, and they just walked by, and we had this whole conversation. They just began to open up to me about all the things going on in their life. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And they go, thank you so much. That means so much. I'm, I'm sorry I stopped you. I'm sorry. I just blah, 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 blah. But they, they're hurting. They were hurting. And whether or not we see it or not, behind the exterior of many people, they're hurting. They're hurting. And if we can show them the compassion of Christ and not become offended because they may say a bad word, right? (gasps) What did you just say? You offend me as a disciple of Jesus, right? Let it go, okay? Just let it go, okay? Let's get beyond that and realize that there's a soul that Jesus wants to reach. Let's do everything we can to bridge that gap, and not destroy it. So what Jesus shows the disciples is this. These are people who need me. These are people that I, came for, that I came for. I know it seems like a huge interruption, and they all seem like problems, and they all have issues, but I have compassion for them. And let me say this. Jesus has compassion for you, for what you're going through today. And you might feel overwhelmed. Jesus hasn't lost track of you, too. What I love about this story is that Jesus ministers individually to that whole crowd, spent the whole day with them healing. And then individually, they bring food to them. So Christ does see you, He does see where you're at. I want you to see with those type of eyes. Jesus sees the individual. He sees that soul that he died for. Never forget that. So may we have the heart of Christ, the compassion of Christ. And I know when people bother us or they irritate us, say, Jesus, I need your love and I need your compassion because this this is what it means to be a follower of you. So help me to do that. Help me to forgive. Help me to walk in humility. And help me to serve. That's what Christ desires from us, church, amen? Let's be that church today. Father God, we just bow before you today. Lord, I know in our world today, it is so tense. But Lord, I pray that we would refocus our thoughts and our attention on you and what you've done for us. That Lord, we would never forget that our mission as a church is for people that you gave your very life for. And God, I pray that you would give us that compassion. God, that you would give us spiritual eyes to see those that are around us, those that are hurting, those that are, are just life has beat them up, for those that are looking for answers, that you'll keep us sensitive to those around us, God, those family members, those co-workers, our neighbors, God, the people that we run into during the day that you would just keep us sensitive and that you would give us a boldness, God, not to lose sight of people as as we're busy in our own lives and all of us are busy. Help us never to forget that it's about people. So God, allow us to be the church that we need to be for you. Lord, let forgiveness flow in our hearts and let us walk in humility as we walk before you. And Lord, let your love flow through us. As we reach this world for you, Jesus, thank you for that beautiful example that you've given us and how you reached out to thousands of people with your love and compassion and that you didn't see people as an interruption, but you saw people as an opportunity to minister. We love you, we thank you, and we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for His word today? He is worthy of it. Amen. Amen.